0: News. 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 New, 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 new. new York City.
1: The FAQ
0: NYC
1: podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. F-A-Q. <laughs> it's FAQ NYC. I'm Harry Siegel in Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn. Here with the city's Katie Honan at City Hall. Oh, well. Hello. And Alex Brooklyn in the village. Oh, well. Hello. So, in a bit, You're going to be hearing Alex's interview with Kirsten Theodos uh, about trying to save East River Park from Bill de Blasio's uh, redevelopment plan for it, which at the moment is involving largely cutting down trees and uh, tearing things down. And you'll get a uh, community member and an activist perspective on what's happening there, uh, what's wrong with it, along with some speculation about what might be behind that. But first, it's uh, Monday, December 20th, as we're recording this. I believe that means 11 more days of Bill de Blasio. <laughs> and they're not the days he would, he would like or that anyone in New York was, was looking for as uh, the variant is spreading rapidly here. There's a question about whether or not they're going to be able to drop the New Year's ball on his honor's very last day. We have uh, testing sites with massive lines, uh, and all sorts of concerns about that. And the mayor and his health people, I think, pretty belatedly, saying, "Our bad. We're going to be getting more of this open." Uh, Katie, just fill us in on how this is uh, this home stretch is going, and how much continuity you expect uh, between the approach De Blasio is taking now and the approach Adams is going to take, at least initially.
2: Well, it's not as uh, if I can. Is it Ferris Bueller that says not? No, it's I'll quote Dorinda Medley. Not well, bitch. That's how we're not. That's how we're doing. Not well, bitch. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel, at least. You know, it's the middle of last week. It just started to feel like the, the case numbers are just spiking. Um, I will not call it what some people called it, which is the media variant, because that made me want to quit my job and move. Uh, away from here. But yeah, the cases are rising. And and as my colleagues at the city reported, the mayor and and his agencies, they shuttered 20 brick and mortar testing sites. And of course, the demand was not as great, right? But I think we had a few weeks of warnings about both Delta, obviously, which has been here longer and Omicron. So it seemed like poor planning that the city did not work faster and harder to get some of these places up. I was just at a Testing site in the Lower East Side. People are waiting over an hour. I'm, you know, met someone who said that they um, got tested over the weekend at a rapid. At what was supposed to be a 24-hour place. Never got the results. Now we're waiting again. You have people who are just desperately trying to get tested. So that's what we have. And he had a Sunday press conference that Eric Adams took part in as well. And and I think you know they seem to have a unified force. But um, Eric Adams has not been as strong about these vaccine mandates. Um, he's encouraging everyone to get tested, but I don't know if he would force them to the way the mayor has. Um, and I, I hope it is what the mayor says, which will be a, um, short, like a very painful, but it won't last as long type of situation. Cause you know, we have vaccines, people are vaccinated. We're certainly not where we were in March and April of 2020, but it still sucks.
3: Katie, do you know if the mayor's staff
2: is still coming in? Yeah. I mean, they're in. I, I, they were here, you know, because wherever the mayor goes, he has, you know, his staff of people that are here. And I got to City Hall at maybe 10 this morning and just as he was coming in. And there's always a So they've been coming in um, to City Hall. I'm here alone right now. Usually there's a handful of reporters, but, you know, it's the holidays. Some people go home. I never leave. So <laughs> I don't have to. I don't thank God I don't have to travel. But uh, yeah, his staff is still around. And I don't know. I guess he's got to pack up his stuff.
1: He's got a whole box of records in his office <laughs> nice. that he likes to show reporters. He showed it to me, like, look, here's, here's uh, you know, Sandinista, The Clash. However, I will note that he did not appear to have a record player in his office.
2: That's perfect. That's perfect. Were you, so he's not listening. It's all for show. There's a metaphor there.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, when Bill de Blasio says that what's happening with Omicron is a, quote, temporary situation, unquote, like knock on wood, that's true. And there's some reason to hope it will be. And and however, what we know with certainty is that Mayor Bill de Blasio saying anything about this is a temporary situation. And anything that is more than an eleven-day time horizon is somebody else's problem. Yes. At that point.
2: And it does put a damper on he was really hoping for a big big month of the rockets and Christmas shopping and tourists and, you know, the ball drop and all that, uh, because I think a, you always want to end things on a high note and B is going to run for governor. So this is all, it's really putting a damper on that. Um, you know, it's just a depressing situation to be around for multiple reasons, but, you know, you got to feel bad for him sort of, because this is certainly not what he imagined last month. Um happening in his final month of office. He, today at the press conference, in the middle of talking about COVID uptick, he gave Gloria Steinem a key to the city. I, I started screaming in the press room, like, what? We don't even, like, know where some of these new test sites are going to be. And you're out here giving Gloria Steinem a key to the city. So a lot of kooky stuff. I will note he gave Charlie Rangel the key to the city this weekend. And then today, Charlie Rangel endorsed Kathy Hochul. So, but yeah, that's where we're at.
1: And we're looking forward to hopefully having uh, uh, Mr. Rangel rejoin the podcast this year for another extended discussion of his uh, very long and interesting career and maybe a little immediate political talk as well. Uh, Katie, we were talking earlier this week and you said something important I want to return to um, that I would summarize as GTFO Massachusetts and welcome Adamses of Queens. Can you explain it?
2: Yeah, so um, they have come to an agreement, although no vote yet, on the next speaker of the New York City Council, and it is the first Black speaker. It is the first Black woman speaker, and it is, for the first time in more than 20 years, it's a person from Queens. Adrienne Adams uh, grew up in Hollis. Uh, She now represents a district that includes South Richmond Hill and and parts of Jamaica, but she also went to Bayside High School with Eric Adams, same year. No relation. It's no relation. that Adams is her married name. I think people were hoping there'd be next to each other, but yeah, she was Adrian Eady, E A D I E. But I kind of was like, I was like that's funny, you know. For the past couple of years, you know, you've had, especially for the last, you know, with with Corey Johnson and and the mayor both from Massachusetts, it's sort of funny to me that we got you know some big Queens energy in the building. Um, and yeah, so that was, it was a very, it's and by the end of it, it was sort of an interesting speaker's race of, of who was the last person standing. Um, yeah, so it was sort of interesting that it, it was Adrienne Adams. I had started hearing her name as serious contention over the last two weeks. Um, there was a, a Zoom rally yesterday for her. All the members, every single one who was on the Zoom spoke. I wrote in the chat, whoever speaks the shortest amount of time will get the most positive press coverage. Everyone thought I was joking and did not listen to me. <laughs> so we just, it was like Sunday afternoon, just everyone talk, using that time to talk for a very long time. But yeah, so that, um, yes, that is where we're at. So it seems to be a shift of power, at least in my head, to some degree. You know, we have, you know, Eric Adams can claim both, I guess, as the Brooklyn Borough president. But, you know, he did grow up in Queens.
3: Seems to me Queens has been poised to kind of do a city takeover since like uh, 2018 and AOC and then 2019 with um, Biagi and Ramos and a lot of the coverage going Queens focused. Also real estate boom in Queens just like seems like Queens has been edging into the hearts and minds like Queens love over the past like three, four years.
2: No, it's good to see. I think, you know, it's good for that when you think it's the second most populous and it is physically the largest. So and I always say, and as I always say about Brooklyn, enough. I'm sick of it. Enough. And you too, Manhattan.
3: Well, Manhattan's all, <laughs> Manhattan has, has always like has, has just become, a, you know, a parody of itself and always and has for
2: many, many years. Yeah. Whereas
3: Brooklyn in the past 20 and 30 really has become like a commodity as a brand
2: it has yeah it's really worked on its brand the wits yeah they you even got you know a, a short-lived hockey team basketball team it was the brooklyn brand for short
1: well, well the nets coming in was actually in the arena there really central to that rebranding and was almost formally the end of like D's and Do's, Brooklyn, Dodgers <laughs> mythology, and an yeah. earlier set of residences, and uh, Brooklyn is a sort of complicated shorthand for uh, cosmopolitan gentrification and the Brooklynification of everywhere, including was of no less than 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 Brooklyn, all of which is just yuck.
3: Harry, can you please write something that is the death of
2: Turlet Brooklyn? <laughs> Turd turdy turd and turd <laughs> uh, only the dead no brooklyn type of stuff six yeah
1: six to five i can do that as a uh, damon runyon would say
2: mm.
1: <laughs> so just one more thing i wanted to touch on as we're bouncing around and i think all of us are frankly trying to uh, survive to the end of this year except uh professor christina greer hello who is vacationing in an undisclosed, but you can figure it out, Caribbean slash Central American location? Um, mm. It's good to be a professor. It's good to have these breaks. Yeah. Um, the, the one other thing, and she will be back uh, in 2022 uh, for much, much more. FAQ. In the meantime, one interesting thing that grabbed me is uh, 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 Eugenia uh, saying, uh, who is the assemblywoman in Lower Manhattan saying that she's going to run against uh, state Senator, Brian Kavanaugh. Um, there's a generational split there. I think you mean is 34, something right around there. Uh, Brian Kavanaugh is pushing 60, uh, but you have a progressive running against another seated progressive, which is not the most common thing. And seems to me like it's maybe suggesting some, some, something interesting about New York politics. Katie, I was just hoping to get your thoughts there.
2: It's interesting. Um, I think, especially, I think there's always been a sense of people kind of waiting a while. You know, unless you're term limited, why would you run for what some might consider like a sort of, or, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh,
1: parallel. Similar, parallel. Not yes. really getting promoted from one half of the legislature to the other.
2: Right. Yeah. So I thought that was. Very interesting. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't know the district enough to say, like, what the chances are for either, but I'm sure for her to do it and to risk her current job, like, she has some eyes and and some thoughts that it'll be successful. But, um, yeah, there's just all these different, it is such a new wave of particularly progressivism. And you see it in the Republican end, too, like, who is more conservative in the Republican, you know, there's the different shades of this. Um, But it was certainly, you know, i city and state had reported it and then she made it official, which was very interesting. Um, Yeah. I thought it was, it was, we'll see how it shakes out. Only time will tell as my catchphrase is.
3: (laughs) I feel like in the, you know, Adams being elected and all the support for Hochul and just in general, some of the consequences of a global pandemic on New York city and state that we weren't prepared for has kind of seen a lot of progressives get hurt hearts and minds wise. Um, So, uh, you know, it was kind of, you know, there was the blue wave, there was 2018, 2019, and now it just seems as though there's like a lot of forefront quality of life issues that people are walking back their like love affair with progressives at the moment, especially considering bail reform and things like that.
2: Yeah, which I guess does bring us to Eric Adams. I know we were speaking about that last week. Uh, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start today. Today he announced um, five deputy mayors, and they're all women. Um, some familiar faces, uh, Lorraine Grillo, who I think had six jobs at once with Bill de Blasio, uh, Maria Torres-Springer, who you know been in EDC, um, Sheena Wright, uh, who is a longtime kind of confidant of... Um, Eric Adams, uh, Mira Joshi, uh, who was at TLC, and Ann Williams, who will be the Deputy Deputy Mayor for Health and Human Services. She's a professor at Fordham. Um, So it's a slate of all women. Um, I know there's still other people to announce. I joke that he'll have to do the Feast of the Seven Commissioners this week because. There's still a lot more people to be appointed before we get into the new year, but you know, I, I think it's what he's been working on, and you know, a lot of people seem to be very excited to see women in these in these roles, especially so many.
1: We'll say Bill De Blasio made a point of bringing in a lot of women, and then over eight years, there, there was a lot of talk from women, like enough that that I, you know, a man was hearing this with frustrations about how he was treating the women he'd put into uh, significant roles. Um and it's going to be I I'm interesting to see how that dynamic plays out or not with uh with with Eric Adams. And at a point where where we have our what our first female governor, uh female attorney general, uh, and we've never had a uh, we've never had a, a woman as mayor. Uh the closest we came stop me from wrong here is Ruth the Messenger, right? Yeah. And that was not so close until this year, by the way, when Catherine Garcia Garcia and Maya Wiley were, were, you know, right behind Eric Adams in the primary that was, you know, pretty much the whole race. Well, there's lots more cooking, but we'll have lots more weeks to talk about all this and to shift from a uh, speculative mode to an observing mode with Eric Adams as he is now less than two weeks away from becoming mayor. Uh, But right now, let's listen to Alex Lin's conversation from last Thursday with Kirsten Theodos about trying to save East River Park. Let's jump right in.
3: Hi, this is Alex Brooklyn for FAQ NYC. I'm here with Kirsten Theodos. Um, Kirsten, can you tell our audience who you are and what you do in the context of what you
0: do for New York City? Hi, thank you for having me. Um yeah, I, you know, I live on East 14th Street in Manhattan. Um I'm a few blocks over from East River Park. Um my son actually plays Little League on that park and uh of course, you know, I use the park as well for myself. Um I got involved in this fight when I heard um, that in 2018, when Mayor De Blasio uh, abruptly changed courses uh, for the plans at East River Park, um, and that's pretty much when I joined. I joined the fight, um, but this has been ongoing since 2012, after her, uh, Superstorm Sandy hit. Um, you know, at the Lower East Side was flooded very badly. Um, and, you know, everybody was in agreement that the waterfront on the Lower East Side community needed climate resiliency protection. For four years, the community and the city came up with a plan to, to achieve that. Um, and then in 2018, the de Blasio administration abruptly scrapped it.
3: So the de Blasio administration abruptly scrapped in two 2018 a plan that was made in tandem with the community um and since then and mo- most recently which is why it's got the attention of a bunch of media outlets is that an entire uh, cherry orchard was torn down the amphitheater was just torn down and this was done uh in spite of a court injunction there's been a lot of legal back and forth and yesterday Can you tell me what happened yesterday, which was a pretty devastating blow to the community side? Yeah.
0: So, you know, there are multiple lawsuits against the city. There were three. Um, And the one that the activist group East River Park Action um, had filed, um, and that was, you know, the city was basically avoiding state oversight. And that's when the uh, TRO was uh, instituted or issued, I should say, the temporary restraining order. And, um, you know, as as you just mentioned, the the city kind of proceeded anyway with chopping down trees in the middle of the night and decimating the park. Um, And they used something to show to activists, even though you had a temporary restraining order,
3: what they used, like a piece of paper that was an internal memo to show activists why they
0: were going ahead. That's correct. So, we saw a copy of it. Um, Basically, um, the construction workers and the the NYPD were were protecting the construction workers based on an internal memo from the Department of Design and Construction, the DDC, that basically said, you know, work and proceed. So, um, that's kind of what happened. But, you know, before we get to that part, I just kind of want to back up because, you know, since this plan was basically shoved down our throats there were a lot of red flags um it was shady from the beginning
3: well let's let's go to the beginning so like you said uh after sandy there was a lot of back and forth, but a plan was arrived at that was agreed by the mayor's office and by the community to transition the East River Park waterfront to a, uh, a more sustainable, more flood protected
0: landscape. Right. So the, the plan, uh, you know, the, like you said, um, the community worked with the city to refine the big U plan, which turned into the East uh, Side Coastal Resiliency Project, ESCR, or ESCR for short. Um, that plan was going to receive federal money. And basically, it would build a berm alongside the FDR to protect the, uh, the buildings on the other side of the FDR from flooding and allowing the park to act as an organic sponge. And you know, it's important to know, after Superstorm Sandy happened in 2012, Um, The park, East River Park was open two days later because it acted like an organic sponge. Um, So in 2018, when we wake up one morning and de Blasio announces that he has a new plan, you know, we were completely taken off guard. Um, And by we, I mean the community the community board, Borough President Brewer, and local council member Carlina Rivera. Nobody knew this plan was going to be changed. We all literally read about it in the newspaper.
3: What was the plan and why was it so uh, So, unpalatable?
0: Yeah, so the new plan was going to require uh, obliterating the park, which is about 46 biodiverse acres. Um, There are 500 documented uh, plant and animal wildlife at East River Park. So the new plan would require decimating the park, cutting down about a thousand mature trees, some over 80 years old, um, and then dumping eight feet of industrial fill on top to create like a levee and then planting a new park on top of that with like tiny tree saplings. Um, You know, why this caused such an uproar is because this goes against everything we know about combating the effects of climate change. Everybody knows that trees and the conservation of natural lands is our best defense against climate change and yet the Blasio administration was coming in with this idea that um, they want to cut everything down and start over from scratch. When, you know, the city was questioned, you know, where is this industrial fill coming from? They 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 don't know. They don't know where they're going to source it. Um, When the city was asked, well, what is this industrial fill going to do to the air quality? Um, Their recommendation was nearby residents should keep their windows closed while for the duration of the time that they rebuild the park.
3: Nearby residents, let's just be clear, it's not just people in apartments or private dwellings, but there is a huge amount of NYCHA housing. All along the East uh, River Park. So recommending to keep your windows closed in places that are testing positive for lead paint, lead dust in the air. Well, that's
0: a bit of a quagmire. Exactly. And um, to your point, um, that is an an environmental justice community that already has sky high asthma rates. So, you know, when the city has this new plan where they're going to bring in, you know, millions of tons of this industrial fill by trucks and by barges further polluting the area. Um, there's now no trees, you know, to, to suck out the carbon emissions from the FDR. Um, this is why folks were really upset because we knew um, that it was going to be detrimental to the folks who live there, their health. But um, you know, so this plan kind of bubbles up out of nowhere. Um and now we know that one month prior to de Blasio announcing this new Esker plan, he had hired Jamie Torres Springer to, um, he appointed him to um, the Department of Design and Construction, DDC, you know, prior to joining. That's in
3: 2018?
0: Yes. And prior to uh, Torres Springer joining um, the DDC, he was at HRA, which is a massive real estate consultancy firm. Um, and you know it was obvious that the new EsESker plan was HRNA's vision for the project that you know superseded the, the the community-based flood plan that was you know half the price and didn't require decimating the park and there were no development or privatization opportunities and the reason why you know I bring that that up is I just want to read this ex- excerpt from HRNA's website. Um, on behalf of um, New York City EDC and mayor's office, hr led the economic planning and regulatory components of a multidisciplinary feasibility study of Southern Manhattan multipurpose levy that could integrate flood protection with new housing, commercial development, and open space. This is off their website. Um, it's also important to note that Shortly after this new plan was announced, the city selected ACOM, um, which is a a large engineering firm, to design and build the project. And ACOM is essentially part of the real estate lobby, the Real Estate Board of New York. And I also would want to add that ACOM was also tapped to build the highly contentious four new borough based jails that were all unanimously shot down by the community boards, but they're going full steam ahead as well. Um, so immediately from the get go, we knew this was shady and, you know, the city had justified this new escrow plan on this quote unquote value engineering study, but they kept it hidden. And, you know, East river park action, the activist group had to sue to get it. And, um,
3: at oh yeah first. You you did a freedom of information act. Correct. Yeah. Correct.
0: And at first, you know, you know, well let me, let me actually um go be, take a step back. So you know, as the community is like realizing that this, they have a new plan, this bait and switch, um, they were obviously upset. Um, Borough President Brewer and local council member Carlina Rivera, they hired a, a Dutch consultant to evaluate this new Esker plan. So Deltaris, the firm, they concluded they couldn't assess the project because of this missing value engineering study. Okay. that the city was claiming, oh, we don't have. So East River Park action foils the city. And, you know, and again, this is the study that the city used to justify this new plan. And they basically lied and said, we don't have this study. Um, And they, they repeated this lie for years. Well, as it turns out, the study does exist. The city did eventually reluctantly release it, but the entire thing was redacted so that we had no visibility into who conducted the study. We had no visibility into the quote-unquote alternative analysis that was used to justify this new, new plan. So uh Israel Park Action appealed and submitted a new foil. And then that's when the city unredacted some additional information. We still don't know who... Uh, conducted the study, but we do know the firms and, and, and companies that participated in the study. And wouldn't you know it, um, the, the architect and the construction firm that's responsible for Brooklyn Bridge Park were also involved in this study for East River Park. And, you know, Brooklyn Bridge Park is this hybrid public private model. And, you know, this basically confirms the community suspicions that the end goal at East. River Park is to privatize it. And again, you know, that quote I read earlier um, from HRNA's website. Um, So, to this very day, we still don't have the study in its entirety. Um, And, you know, even though we are in a pandemic and, you know, this new project is going to cost twice as much and, you know, the Lower East Side is not going to have a a park for many years to come. You know, the city went ahead and was quietly accepting bids for this ecological nightmare. Um, You know, ironically, they had claimed the city had claimed that their new plan was more constructible, but then they ended up extending the bid deadlines five times. So, you know, East River Park Action, neighborhood residents like myself, we reached out to our elected officials and we were basically begging them to hold an oversight hearing, decrying, you know, the lack of transparency from the inception of this plan and this missing value engineering study that the city first lied about and then now kind of released, but the thing was redacted. So in April, I wrote to my council member, Carlina Rivera, I wrote to council member Justin Brannon, he is um, the chairman of the committee on water uh, resiliency and waterfronts. And, you know, I I I basically told them, hey, you know, I'm a mom, my kid uses East River Park. He plays little league there. I'm concerned where these, not just my kid, where all these kids and all these folks, what are they going to do when this park is gone? And, you know, begging them to hold an emergency oversight hearing. And, you know, and it wasn't just me. There were thousands of letters sent, thousands of phone calls to, you know, Carlina Rivera, to Justin Brannon, to Speaker Corey Johnson, all asking for an honest public hearing. And, um, you know, we did everything. We, we we marched. We we held press conferences. We we did rallies. We we activists had showed up to um, Councilmember Brandon's district office in Bay Ridge to hand deliver him all these letters. We did everything, um, and in the end, like none of it mattered. What is the city's argument that
3: the original community plan wasn't good enough to stave off floods? Is that their
0: argument, or does it not even get to that? Well, their argument is that this is going to be. Um, this is a superior plan. But the reality is this quote unquote superior plan is only taking into account sea level rise. As we saw with Hurricane Ida, you know, torrential rainfall is also, you know, a factor with climate change. And if you obliterate the park and replace, you know, natural ball fields with astroturf, it's only going to exacerbate flooding. So, you know, the reason if we had a, an, an oversight hearing, environmental experts, health experts, they could all weigh in on this project, something that has never been done before this at this uh, the mayor's plan never underwent any type of independent review. It was just like, here it is. The community had no input and no environmental expert. Or anybody else had any input on it. As is well,
3: it either. there's no actual, you know, proof that this is all a shill game for big real estate, although, you know if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, et cetera. (laughs) I mean, but I mean, technically there, there, there's no proof. So what do we as a community need to be watching out for? Like what would, what is this suspicion here? If we want to, if we want to, to put out a suspicion, the suspicion is the city's going to just give this property over to one of these public private um, projects or get a development company, uh,
0: involved. What is the fear? What is the big fear? fear? The fear is, you know, the fear is they're going to privatize it. They're going to build condos. Um, you know, there's already a plan. They want to extend the lower tip of Manhattan out into the water already, like over hundred feet or I forget what the number is. Um, you know, it's like anything else in this town, everything's driven by real estate. Um, and again, the guy spearheading this project came from HRNA, a real estate con- consultancy firm, you know, ACOM, I, you, know, you know, they're part of the real estate board in New York practically. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's the concern. But, you know, the reality is if we had an oversight hearing, an honest hearing where we could look at both solutions, the original community-based plan, the mayor's new plan, or potentially now with new client data, a new plan could have been formed then we would be able to determine the best solution for climate resiliency on the Lower East Side waterfront. But the fact that the government wasn't even allowing a debate to happen, I think that speaks volumes,
3: you know? So right now, um, right now they've cut down all the beautiful cherry trees and they've ripped up the amphitheater. What also, there was a court case decision yesterday. We are recording today on Friday, December 16th. So yesterday on Thursday, December
0: 15th, what happened? There were court proceedings about the recent appeal for alienation in the New York State Court of Appeals, and as well as for um, contempt of court against a city that was filed earlier this week for violating the TRO, the temporary restraining order. And um, unfortunately, we lost so, you know, it's it's full steam ahead, you know, um, construct, de- uh, um, construction or deconstruction, I should say, is, is proceeding at, at the park right now.
3: Well, I am sorry to hear that. I do love that park. And do you guys have future plans to um, appeal to the Eric
0: Adams administration? I'm not sure what East River Park action plans on doing. Um, I do know there is still one more outstanding lawsuit um, that was uh, filed by a nonprofit um, suing the city for not fulfilling the requirements, the women minority business enterprise um, requirements. So, you know, it's hard to say what's gonna happen with that lawsuit, Um, but you know, we're watching. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining that entire
3: story for us because a lot of people just don't really understand what's going on down there. They think, oh, this is all for flood protection on the up and up. Well, it might not be so much on the up and up. And I look forward to seeing what happens here on out and how that plays out um, with big real estate, with Eric Adams, with everything that's going on. Thank you for outlining the players and the
0: problem for us. Okay,
1: thank you so much, Alex. FAQ. FAQ <laughs> NYC is a production of Racket Media and a proud member of the Brick House Cooperative of Independent Journalists and Artists. Find us online at thebrick.house. We're hosted at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and recorded this week from the boroughs of Brooklyn and and had it. Alex Brooklyn is our executive producer, and Adam Kamara mixed and edited this week's episode. A special thank you to our guest, Kirsten Theodos. Thank you for listening. Be good, be kind, be safe, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.